wonderful thing. Thank you so much for having us in your ears. Such a joy. Passion Pod 105, courtesy of two guys who rode across the Atlantic. Sure, as you do. Just decided to do that one day. Few few drinks were involved. Never been in boats, never done anything like it. And we're just like, mm, yeah, OK, let's give that a bash. Amazing. So as you can tell, slightly overexcited about sharing that story with you. First, though, sharing uh, my freelance musing of this week. Something that I've been really thinking about. I had a couple of days away, which I think always clarifies stuff, doesn't it? It just makes you see stuff clearly, even though they're hard to take. So important to do. And came back just thinking, ah, when do I ever stop and pause and just bask a bit in the cool things that I've done? I may talk about them quite a lot on social media or try and show off about them, sure, at parties to, you know, try and make myself look cool. But genuinely, when do you step back and think, huh, nice, I created that, brilliant. I saw that through from an idea and I made it, I did it, I completed it. And I just don't think we do that enough. And especially when there's no boss around to kind of level it out against the criticism and self-flagellation that is so rife amongst us freelancers and self-employeders. Seriously, we've got to just do some pausing for the good stuff. So that is the musing of this week. Take a bit of a moment, have a cup of tea and just bask a bit in your brilliance. I give you permission. So often that's what we need. Here it is, official permission to pause a couple of minutes And just have a look and survey the scene and, yeah, give yourself a proverbial pat on the back or a digestive, you know, any reward will do. Anyway, so that is the thing that I wanted to share with you this week. Chinwag-wise, two guys decided to row the Atlantic. I think there's not much more that I need to say. You just need to feast your ears. Absolutely awesome story and can't wait to share it with you. So over to the boys. So I reckon let's start by introducing who you are. Cool. So my name is James Whittle. I rode across the Atlantic in December last year until uh, February the 10th we arrived into Barbados this year. Uh, and I'm Tom Caulfield, the second half of the Tempest 2, who joined James on the boat. <laughs> I mean, it's not your average opening. It's like, yeah, just <laughs> casually rode across the, you know, I mean, come on. Let's go back. So if you meet someone, how do you describe what you do? It's, um, it's actually a tough one. one we've, we've kind of been discussing, because a lot of people sort of say, we've told them that we've left our jobs and we're starting a new thing, and they're kind of like, so what do you do? And it's hard because we're one part sort of speakers, we do a lot of motivational talks and things, also marketing consultants at the same time, but then also, I guess... Adventurers, we kind of we kind of shy away from that word a bit, don't we? Why? Like, yeah. I don't, Guys. Know, I don't feel we uh, we kind of merit it yet. Oh my god, come on! I mean, my biggest adventure is like to walk down to the supermarket. I mean, <laughs> yeah, in the scheme of life, yeah, it's sometimes an adventure. Who are you going to meet? So you guys know each other. Take us back a bit. How do you guys know each other? Talk us through the journey of how you so, met. So we met probably about six or seven years ago, working for Red Bull um, in the student program. Uh, so we were doing marketing on campus there. So we met at an event. Uh, kind of been friends ever since and then went um, to work for Red Bull after university and then we got separate roles so I went to work for Vitacoco, Coconut Water in the marketing team and Tommy went on to work at a big agency, marketing agency. And then how on earth does that then develop into like, yeah, let's just like get a boat and do some rowing? I mean, how did that come about? It was, it was yeah, pretty spontaneous. I was at um, an event uh, called the Clipper World Boat Race, which is basically a round the world yacht race, which my mum actually took part in the London to Rio leg, 
So I was at uh, St. Catherine's Dock in a pub called the Dickens Inn, watching like all these people coming back from this big trip, all crying, like full of elation. And I was kind of sat there just thinking, like, I've done nothing even remotely as cool as this. My mum is now cooler than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, a defining yeah, moment yeah, in which life. Was, it was a pure ego-driven decision. <laughs> uh, so I literally Googled like biggest biggest adventures in the world kind of thing. And, Are you serious? That's yeah, literally yeah. how it started? The ocean rowing kind of popped up and I text James sort of saying, you in? He, I think he, you were at a party as well, actually. Yeah. So we both just like, yeah, let's do it. And then woke up the next morning, it was like, oh, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> yeah, just kind of got the text uh, after a couple of beers as well. And just started telling people straight away. And I think that commitment... You idiot. To, yeah, yeah, to, to telling people. And then more the reaction that we got from telling people. Just like, nah, you're not going to do that. Or, really? You're an idiot. That was the drive, I think, the early drive that we needed to be like, right, actually, let's Spur get this down. Yeah, yeah. Do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then from there then, talk us through up to now. You've obviously now completed it. But talk us through a bit the timeline of how, yeah, that all kind of came together, I guess. Yeah, so the, the early thing was finding out we were complete novices and never rowed before, never sailed before, had spent like no time on the ocean. So the Are you first joking? Thing... Hang on, hang on, hang on. You'd never even sailed? No, no, never. Even Zero though your mum had done something like that? Yeah, my, had... my mum had never sailed either, so she, she'd just gone and done it. Bit of Guys. a midlife crisis. That is so uh, inspiring. So like an early midlife crisis and this is yeah. what prompted that. <laughs> Quarter yeah. life crisis. We never, yeah, we never kind of been in a rowing boat or held an oar. And wow. I think that naivety actually was, yeah, was actually quite... A positive at the end of it because we were kind of fresh to everything and we didn't understand the, the drawbacks and how tough it was going to be we just kind of looked at everything in a positive light yeah no absolutely so I think that, that re- actually really helped us throughout I just interrupted you on the timeline sorry then That's I just right. can't believe that you guys have been in a boat so yeah, yeah. So, so as we were saying it was uh, kind of complete open minds so we had no kind of egos or, or no real idea of what it was going to be like so we were just there and the first point of call was to research it and speak to as many people as we could. Not that lots of people that kind of are around that do that sort of thing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, where do you even start with that? Well, yeah, it's, it's a pretty niche market. Yeah, it? It, is, yeah. it is. Which I guess maybe kind of makes it helpful as there's a few yeah, people yeah, yeah, to yeah. then, exactly. once you track them down. Exactly. And because it's, it's not been done that many times, there's a bit of a blueprint for how it should be done and how it's been done in the past. Uh, but we, at the same time, are completely up to kind of making our own and, and seeing how we got on from there. So we just... Kind of like the sponges to begin with, we just try to learn as much as we can and uh, take as much information on board before we kind of made next steps and we definitely learned, uh, the learning curve was definitely steep and we kind of learned as we went as well with both the rowing and the everything that goes behind the scenes, so the fundraising to get the boat in the water, uh, we wanted to do it for a couple of charities so we found out kind of more about that side of things and uh, and then just the, the logistical side of it. Uh, the food, the nutrition. That's so what much fascinates me, I have to say, is the food. Mm. I love my food. I mean, like, do you, you have to take weird stuff to eat because you can't possibly fit everything on there. Yeah, so we basically had a diet of basically astronaut food. So rehydrated food that we'd boil water, pour it in. What did we have? We had spaghetti bolognese, chicken tikka masala. <laughs> did they take, taste anything like those uh, things? Most of them tasted the same. We had a uh, salmon and dill with potato. Which oh, was stop it. Incredible. Gossip for a Friday night. Yeah. Serious, serious gourmet. <laughs> I'd have that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Desperate. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and how long did the whole trip take then? How long were you eating food like that? How long were you out there? What was it from start to finish? Uh, 54 days in total. Um, from the campaign, from sort of decision to finish point, it was about 18 months. Usually, like people have done it in the past, it takes maybe two or three years of planning, but we didn't really want to wait another year because you've got to go in, in December really to 
to try and sort of avoid hurricanes. Right. Um, which we didn't. We actually went through a hurricane. Um, oh my so gosh. That whole, that whole thing was thrown out the window. Yeah, but it was perfect. It was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a rush, but actually having that, that date in the diary where it's like, right, we're pushing off Grand Canary on this date really made us work harder to try and sort of raise the funds and get ourselves ready for, for that specific time. Yeah, now listen, tell me the, the money side of stuff. Whereabouts did you leave jobs? How did you make that work financially? Obviously you said you did some fundraising, but yeah. how do you sustain yourself going through something like this? So once we made the decision to each other and we agreed and it was something that we were definitely going to do because the decision was such a big thing uh, we kind of knew that we were going to do it regardless so we were both lucky enough to get uh, sabbaticals from our existing jobs amazing um, and the tempest 2 kind of was a complete another job on the side uh, that took up all of our evenings our lunch times uh, the training and the fundraising as well so it started by a, a figure that was worked together by what we needed in terms of the boat equipment uh, logistics and then and then how we got there was a bit of a, a kind of learning curve but it was um yeah it was amazing at the same time so we worked with some great brand partners uh, as sponsors to deliver some content and some unique kind of marketing opportunities for those guys i guess this is where your backgrounds came in super helpful yeah i think for us we were we were pretty passionate about a sort of raising money for charity but also sort of creating a bit of campaign around what we were doing I think in the past, the, the kind of blueprint for sponsorship is very much, here's a check logo on the boat, um, which is fine. You need to raise the money at the end of the day. And, and that's some people, that's their only option. And then they do it sort of pretty easily. We didn't really have the the, uh, the resources or benefit to go and ask a, a parent's mate to sort of donate 100 grand. It was kind of, we were starting from scratch. And so obviously our skill set is based around marketing and brands and partnerships and everything. So yeah, we were really lucky to get the likes of, sort of GoPro, Spotify, um, LifeProof, Dropbox, uh, loads of these huge partners. Wow, massive who, names. Which were, which were great because 80% of those were, were just through LinkedIn. So we, we, would, we would find a marketing manager for Jaybird, a headphone brand in the States, and we'd go, okay, this is what we know he's going to want to see. Um, he's going to want to see ROI and his investment. Eventually, first of all, we were looking for money for charities and soon realised, like, hang on, we're actually a marketable asset here. We should value ourselves and what we're doing to their brand. So every partner had a role, like Spotify was music, the Jaybirds were the headphones to sort of play the music and Dropbox was comms. So everything had a, had a place. That's a very clever way of looking at it because I think so often with these things, it's especially with more creative endeavours, you know, that's funny enough, we were talking about it only last week, the value that you put on yourself, you know, did you find that hard to begin with or was that something, I guess, because it's all structured around that by the sound Yeah, of it. I think we kind of went at it the way that we... We're almost told to uh, by those experts that have done it before in the past with the fundraising and the charity element and, and how it should be done. And we definitely came up a, to a few hurdles that way. So we and kind of took a bit more of a backseat and had to approach it a bit differently and kind of looked at each other and be like, All right, who do we want to work with and, and what would make sense? And then, yeah, like Tom said, we would figure out our value there and, and it was always about creating something bespoke for different people. And it was all relevant and organic and it all made sense so we weren't just shoehorning uh, like a bank onto the side for the sake of a logo. Yeah, but it's it so inspiring that because it's basically a real life example of you literally creating exactly what you wanted, I'm sure, yeah. to some certain degrees. Not yeah. exactly, but it just is very, yeah, it's a great example of how <laughs> what you can what you can achieve. Yeah, I mean, we still, we still had thousands and thousands of no's um so it was definitely a perseverance thing and and learning from a no and getting feedback and then also just not hearing on lots as well so it was uh it's definitely a case of being persistent and, and continuing to knock on doors and we'd have weeks where we'd hear nothing and then we'd also have weeks where it'd be incredible and we'd get a few in a row it's like buses 
Mm. I think it's we ended up as Jane said we'd have a list of all these brands it's like right these are the guys we want on board and then and a lot of it you'd get three or four emails you'd talk to them over the phone whether in the states or somewhere and then it'd be a no at the end of it and we actually ended up having so much confidence and belief in what we were doing if someone would say no it'd be like idiot (laughs) you're missing out you're missing out on this because this is what the story is this is how your brand could fit and Fair enough, if you haven't got the budget, you haven't got the budget. But we, we were so confident of what we were going to deliver that if the brand said no, it was like, okay, fair enough, that's kind of your loss. Where does that confidence come from, do you think? It's so, it's great, but it's just so, is it maybe the naivety or, because you, you didn't have a bloody clue. Yeah, I think we, we had confidence just, just in what we were doing and then... Felt it in your gut. Yeah, exactly, and it felt so, like, true. And then also working in marketing and being served these campaigns and stuff that we kind of feel like we see through or... Uh, don't really make as much sense as um, as what this did to us and what we were trying to get across. Yeah, that confidence just just grew and grew until we were really forming a story of what the Tempest Two was and taking brands on this journey that we kind of thought that everyone should want to be on board. I can't wait for the film, guys. This is going to be great. The blockbuster, yeah. bring it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah film, exactly. uh, film should be good. <laughs> it's in the pipeline. Um, what I'd really like to do is, I'd love just to talk a little bit about the actual row itself. I'm sure this is a question that loads of people ask you, but in a nutshell, give us a bit of an idea of what it was like to do this row. Because it's like an, another planet for people like me. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the, the first thought is the physical side of it. So it's over 3,000 miles. It's 24 hours a day, obviously seven days a week. I mean, I'm already wanting to throw up. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um, two-hour shifts, so I would row for two hours, at which point Tommy would be in the cabin sleeping or eating or, or stretching or whatever, and then we'd swap, and it would be two hours on, two hours off, so rowing by ourselves, uh, all throughout the night, throughout the day. Uh, we obviously left on December the 18th, so over Christmas and New Year. Oh, so God, big, that makes me so yeah, sick of big, it. Yeah, big, big kind of times in the calendar for, like, family yeah and big moments but we yeah when we were there it was kind of there was nowhere else we'd want to be really it was one of the christmases and the new years that we probably remember for (laughs) uh, for the rest of our lives yeah uh so that was that was initial thought is the the physical side of it uh but really uh, it's 90 percent mental with all the stuff that happens uh that's out of your control whether it's the rudder breaking or our auto helm blew up or two of them did uh, the weather would always be um, not as it was supposed to be or not as forecast. And it uh, was easy to begin with to kind of react in a bit of a negative way and just be like, oh, everything's against us. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of quickly, uh, it was easy to learn that like kind of didn't really matter what happened. It was more just how you reacted to that. Yeah, because you've got to make it work. I yeah, guess. exactly. Especially when there was two of us and the boat was seven metres long. So we were never more than sort of three metres away from each other. I mean, it is just mind-blowing. And that proximity, let alone in just... Even if I had to sit in it on dry land, yeah. I think I'd find that just full-on. It wasn't, it wasn't actually that bad, was it? I think <laughs> we had, before we left, we were like, this is going to be the most horrible thing ever. <laughs> Low and expectations. Yeah, we'd like to prepare ourselves for it would be horrible. The first week was pretty bad. We just didn't have a clue what we were doing. We didn't eat well. We were falling asleep at night in, like, 50 foot swells which is weird but after that week we kind of got in the groove and we got better with eating we got fitter like our bodies just became used to it we didn't get any sleep deprivation it was just it was almost like a button got switched and it's like right we're kind of in our element now incredible what your body can oh, do it's, it's well, honestly it? unbelievable and because you're not you're not on the tube and you're not thinking about work like your, your mind isn't tired you've got two things it's, it's right i need to row and eat and sleep three things there you go um, <laughs> and that, that's it that's your life 
and yeah, zero decision fatigue. Yeah, no decision. Isn't that interesting to see how your mind works without having that all bombarded at you? Even though you are doing this incredible feat, yeah, that must have been fascinating. It is, isn't it? It was. It was bizarre to see how we kind of morphed all the way through it. Like by the end of it, the last week we were pretty desperate to get there, so we were rowing together, which we kind of you're not really meant to do to try and save energy, but we were rowing for ten hours at a time. Just because like, your body is just like, okay, it's just an absolute machine by that point. Um, if we tried that in week one, we probably both would have died. So yeah, it's fascinating to see how your body adapts and you just get used to your surroundings and you somehow just learn to embrace it. How was it coming back though? Coming out of like, literally like, must have felt like being on a planet just with you two. How yeah. was that transition coming back? Because it's like when you come back from holiday, not the same, and everyone's always like, how was it? You're like, how am I going to sum that up in a yeah. week? Like a word? Yeah. You know, it's like, but this is a gazillion times more, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, it, it was very different. Even arriving into Barbados with our like, closest family and friends there uh, was incredible, but it was still Barbados and this five-star resort, and we were still wrapped up in the row and everything. The buzz was, was still there, but getting back to London and, and going back to work, uh, it was a real shock to the system, I think. And, yeah. And the complete opposite of, of being on the row and having a real simple life. It was soon back to uh, the commuter train and uh, behind a desk. And not that it's a bad thing. Some some things I really enjoyed with uh, having like a, a jobs list and just ticking off tasks when it was kind of the opposite on the row where we had one big job that was 3,000 miles away and we just had to get there. <laughs> it was a long old tick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it's quite nice to have the opposite of that and... do jobs and then also to meet loads of people and uh, talk to loads of people again so it was but it was completely different and even in the immediate uh, time after we arrived in Barbados our legs weren't even really fit for walking (laughs) so we were just stumbling all over the place it's like, who are these two reprobates? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely drunk girls. hammered. <laughs> Constantly. Yeah. It's like, oh, if only you knew. Yeah, exactly. But it, yeah, it was bizarre from the moment we left. Uh, we just rode out of the harbour in Grand Canaria with kind of no fireworks, no crowd, no bells and whistles, and literally a guy on the boat was kind of waving, just like, where are you off to? It's like, uh, Barbados. Just go and get me goosebumps. We went past a pedalo, didn't we? Yeah. It's a pedalo, it's like two tourists on it. Like, going hey, faster than you, you? Yeah. Like, yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> everyone was you know, going to the Caribbean and they're just like what <laughs> well <laughs> now we just rode off it took about four hours to get out of sight though <laughs> that is a wonderful image yeah. in my head yeah. Yeah. rubbish at rowing it's bodes well yeah, yeah. Um, tell me then now how is it now you've come back how is life you're saying you're doing lots of inspirational speaking how are you making a living now where, where are you at in terms of work uh yeah so we we landed in february and i think during those 54 days we obviously had a lot of time to chat and think about stuff and it kind of dawned on us that this, we can't really go back and this is the end the tempest too i think it, it kind of built a bit of a following and almost a bit of a brand around it um and there really isn't anything in that in that sort of sector like adventure is it's really sort of peaking at the moment you look at the likes of Bear Grylls and people in the States. I'm not saying we're like Bear Grylls because he actually knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> but but like that sort of thing, that adventure and this this whole sort of pursuing your dream is huge at the moment. And for us, the way when we looked at what's going on, it's like actually there's there's a lot of stuff that can be done better here, um, whether that, that's advising brands on how they should position themselves in that market or or us going and doing it ourselves. It's lots of like fingers in potential pies, yeah, consultancy or... Exactly, yeah. and... and it all makes sense to us because everything we do, whether it's consulting for brands, doing an adventure, creating content or doing talks, it all channels back into just these big adventures. Mm. We talk about them, 
we try and position ourselves in them for brands we try and create content everything just sort of transcends that one sort of sort of pushing yourself and, and doing these amazing trips so it's pretty cool that our jobs are now based around going and doing amazing things around the world and uh, we kind of laugh at how we've managed to get that signed off with our girlfriends but <laughs> they fell for it so just keep it, it up yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um, guys what do you think is has been the biggest challenge with this whole new sort of chapter of of your sounds a bit cheesy your lives but mm. how, how how what's what's been the most tricky thing do you think um lots has been tricky so even from raising the money to begin with and the idea and persuading people that we were going to do it everything was an absolute mission and since coming back and kind of launching the Tempest 2 full time and leaving the jobs literally 10 days ago was a massive decision wow um, really so, yeah. really fresh yeah yeah so it was a huge commitment to kind of take that leap but it kind of comes from the same belief that we had at the beginning when we signed up for it and then also some of the experiences that we went through over those 54 days so whether it's the capsize or this hurricane or nearly getting hit by this cargo ship we kind of <laughs> yeah we, oh, what a list. we kind of built this um mindset of, of positivity and embracing kind of obstacles and just continuing to like develop and, and learn and build the tempest too and as tommy said that kind of only got stronger as we got back to the uk do you feel like it didn't you didn't almost have a choice uh, yeah, by the I think when we landed in Barbados, it was only going one way. Yeah, I think we, we ended up asking ourselves the question like, like we told our parents and everyone. And obviously, as parents do, they were like, "Oh my god, what are you going to do for money?" Blah blah blah. But we kind of sat there and it was like, "What is actually the worst that could happen here? Like, what what is the worst case scenario?" So like, okay, we give it a go. Maybe last for six months, crashes and burns. We're a laughing stock. Cool. We, we've got a CV that, that is pretty strong. We'll have experience in setting up a business, doing these amazing trips. We're gonna we're gonna walk into like another job, no problem. So, for us, we're in, we're in very privileged to have that sort of cushion. So it's just a bit of a no brain. Obviously, it's very different for other people who maybe maybe don't have that that kind of uh, belief or CV to fall back on. But I think for us, it's it's like why why the hell not? I think even if you don't have the same sort of CV though, that I really do genuinely believe. Yes, there are easier paths by all, but there's no denying that. But if you want to do something, you can make it work. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, exactly. otherwise, 100%. What, what, are we, what are we all doing? Exactly. Yeah. It's a bit and the reward the for us definitely outweighs the risk, just as it did with the Atlantic Row, and just as it will continue to do with the new adventures that we do and, and everywhere we push the Tempest to. Advice, I guess that kind of leads me on to it. I love to ask, like, what bit of advice do you wish you'd been given, you know, I don't know, early on or before you set off? Is there anything that that you wish you'd heard? I don't know. I'm not sure about receiving advice. I think we were given all the right advice in the right places in terms of how to approach such a sort of specific challenge. But I think what, what we've gained, and we get asked it quite a lot after talks, is that someone says, oh, I'm planning on doing a marathon. Like, have you got any advice for fundraising or whatever? But I think the one thing that we kind of took away from it is just, just 100% back yourself. Like, as James said, when we first started telling everyone, we were understandably laughed at, to be honest, but we were kind of, that sort of laughter and people not believing it is like, mm, okay, like, like this 100% going to happen, guys. Um, and also like, then it will taste so sweet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think just, we sat down and we, we never, even even two weeks out, we, we needed a lot of cash still, even two weeks out. And people were like, how's it going? It's like, yeah, yeah, we're nailing it, we're nailing it. And it's like, oh my God. But we, we, we actually <laughs> never, we, we never, yeah, just smoked and mirrors. We never actually thought for one second it wasn't going to happen. I think having that, if you're going to do something on your own or something new or something out of your comfort zone, 
if you don't believe in A, yourself and what you're doing, then it's probably going to fail and you'll find an excuse for it to fail, whether it's an injury or, or whatever it is, that there's always going to be that excuse that can shut the door. So, so we made it pretty clear early on, it was like, this is going to happen at some point. Um, and that, that was pretty key for us, I think. Yeah, it never really wavered either, um, even when the finances looked rough or uh, we found out really late on, just before we went to Gran Canaria to launch, that we needed a uh, certain Yachtmaster exam certificate, which we didn't have. So it was just... Again, taking that same approach of, of belief and just backing ourselves with it and throwing ourselves at it that we managed to uh, to get that just before we went. Not that we were experts I was going to say, please tell me what happened there. Did you get it? Uh, yeah, we, we did get it. <laughs> Quite, you know, a bit of wheelie dealing. A little yeah. bit, a little bit. Well, you made it happen. A little so. bit under the table. <laughs> Built great relationships in the right places. <laughs> Do you yeah. think it also helped being a part of a pair? Do you think that? Because, I mean, hearing you guys talk, you're obviously very, very in, in tune. I mean, are we surprised you spent all this time training and working on this together? But, I mean, I'm sure that has its challenges. But do you think that's given you another level of support, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. It definitely helped from, from the time that we signed up and uh, getting doubts. I think those doubts and the countless emails and phone calls that don't work maybe build on one person a little bit more than than two and and sharing the load and sharing the weight of both across the ocean and being able to row in shifts to uh to now launching the business and kind of designating strong points to each other and and then just feeding off each other's energy as well when uh, something positive happens and then also to kind of pick the other one back up when when something negative happened which was kind of personified every day on the row yeah, and I think um, my biggest bit of advice for anyone doing like a big adventure or something that's going to be a bit of an ordeal, the person you pick is 100% the biggest decision you make. Because there's loads of people who have done the row in teams where they don't know the people and they're doing it for a world record. And they hated it. Absolutely hated it. They're like, it was great to finish it, but it was one of the worst experiences of my life. We didn't have a single argument on the boat. We had a a load of stuff go wrong but we within an hour we're laughing about it and just, just guys you're like the perfect relationship right here <laughs> that's got a big announcement we are also a couple <laughs> the girlfriends are doing so well yeah, yeah. oh I love talking to these guys so much what a story what a story. I just found it so inspiring chatting to them. I really, really hope some of that came through for you because, wow, if that doesn't make you just think, I can actually do pretty much anything, uh, then I don't know what it is because that's basically what they did. Tried and tested. Amazing. Thank you so, so much to both James and Tom for chatting to me this week. Just such a pleasure. Very excited to see what those guys get up to. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, next week, another Passion Pod first. They are coming thick and fast, I tell you. Must be something in the summer vibes. A lady that we've actually chatted to before. I can't remember what number she is. She was way, way back at the early days. And she's gone on to do something a bit different. Kind of similar field but actually a bit off on a tangent. So really interested to chat to her again. I think it's just going to be quite interesting to catch up with someone and see how things have developed since that last one way back when. So, yeah, excited about Passion Pods Revisited, I guess. Actually, I've got to be careful of that because that's like a whole new series, isn't it, really? Just go gently. Uh, anyway, really, really excited about chatting to her. She's the founder now of a sewing community, really, an online sewing community. So find out more about that in next week's Passion Pod. And to get it first, 
Just make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. I know I wang on about it, but it does make things really easy. Just find us under Passion Pods. And if you want to leave us a review, that would be extra awesome. Thank you very much in advance. Uh, find us on Twitter as well, at Passion Pods. Find that we use that quite a lot um, and love to have chats with anyone on there. If you want to come and chat to us as well, that's the best way to find us. Or you can head to the website, passionpods.co.uk, ping us an email on there. Big fat thank yous for listening as ever. And really look forward to being back in your ears next week. Music.